State. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Two tight ends and a wide receiver to the near side. Throw it out in the flat to Maurice Washington. Blockers out in front. He gets to the 30, 35, 40. He's got a seam. 50, 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. That's a way to answer that Colorado play right there. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate Warren. Here we are Tuesday night. Thank you so much for being a part of the program tonight. Here's what we have coming up over the next three hours. Eric Chenander, Husker defensive coordinator, met with the media today. We'll have a practice report for you coming up here in a couple of minutes. It's Tuesday. It's our volleyball show. The head coach, John Cook, will be in studio, and Lauren Cook-West will be the host of that hour-long program tonight. The Huskers still rank second in the country, getting ready for the Emeritus Classic coming up this weekend. So get your volleyball comments and questions ready for the head coach. Huskers, two thrilling wins over the weekend, a four-setter over Arizona, then beat San Diego in five sets. Dramatic come-from-behind win there as the Huskers win sets four and five late Saturday night. So our volleyball hour in hour number two. It's Tuesday, so that means top ten Tuesday. And Huskers just came off playing one of their longtime rivals, the Colorado Buffaloes. Where does Colorado fit among the top 10 rivals of Husker sports. Oh, they're not even on the top 10, Greg. Just ask any Husker Well, they fan. made my list. Yeah, they maybe made they, my maybe list. Maybe they didn't know. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. We'll have some fun with that. Yeah. Because now you know we, we span two conferences. So sure. you've got to start mixing and matching a little bit. We'll see how we do with that. Austin's been hard at work in the back putting his list together. You completed yours last night before we were even off the air. Yeah. You were so excited about this top ten list. I got a lot of hate in me, especially yeah. after Saturday. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um, let's start there. I know there's a 24-hour rule, but I'll admit, Nate, I, I'm, having, I'm having a hard time putting that one behind me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You've got a 17 nothing lead. Yes, against one of your rivals on the road in a game in which you've invested a lot of emotion and your fan base, as we saw, thank you, 25, 30,000, whatever it was of you, they invested a lot of money and, and they were supportive and the conditions were as good as they could be for this team to get off the schneid as far as road losses is concerned the seven game road losing streak that's now eight it was the ability to close out a game and that third quarter just burns me especially from the offensive standpoint where nebraska picks up one first down out of the locker room um, has the football to begin the third quarter picks up one first down then that drive dies then two three and outs and even though Colorado didn't do anything until their last drive of the third quarter you just felt like the defense was getting sent back out and 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 was taking body blows the entire time and that set up what Colorado did in the fourth quarter Uh, and then in overtime the offense continued to struggle and it's frustrating when you outgain a team by 150 yards and that's the ballpark of where it was that 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 can't be sustained through the second half and and you have to tip your cap to Colorado they did an excellent job adjusting uh, at halftime and Nebraska eventually adjusted to the adjustments as it were but uh, the offense just didn't do enough to keep the defense off the field and then you know even though the defense has made improvements in terms of conditioning and in terms of their level of play 
at some point you just run out of gas, and that was the feeling I got from that defense. And even still, they found a way to limit Colorado to three in overtime. So uh, I felt like the defense hung in there as best they could with an offense that wasn't really uh, sustaining drives uh, in the second half. The more I think about this, football's a great team sport. To me, it was a team loss. I mean, the offense didn't perform in an entire quarter in the third quarter when they could have put the foot on the throat and ended it. Mm-hmm. So that's a miss there. And then the defense, when it's their turn to slam the door in the fourth quarter, they couldn't do it either. So there's blame to go around on both sides. Oh, sure. um, and, and then in the kicking game, you know, you you got an injury to the kicker. We're going to get into that topic tonight as well. But you can't make a – and that's a 48-yard field goal. That, that would even be hard if Barrett Pickering's out there kicking that thing. And they did give up a big kickoff return. Granted, they forced a fumble on it, but they gave up the big return after the score that put them up 31-24. So, really, all three phases can go. We need to be better. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's there's blame to go around for all of them. And, and maybe offense gets the greater focus because it just felt, for me, like that was such an opportunity coming out of the locker room up 17 Offense had really pretty much done what it wanted to do. You had the one drive that ended in a fumble, but even that drive was going well. And then you score on the other three full drives. They had a drive where they kneeled out the clock in the last half minute or whatever of the of the second quarter. So of the four legitimate drives you had, you scored on three, and you were on pace to score before you, before you fumbled the football. And you go from that to a third quarter where, where you can't move the football. And, and in that moment with the game hanging in the balance with a chance, as you said, to step on their throat and finish them off, didn't do it, didn't get it done. What an omen the first play of the third quarter was when Nebraska has to take a timeout they're not out there ready to snap. That was an omen that you're like, uh-oh, not ready to roll here as we come out of the locker room. And, and I'm sure that thought went through everybody's side, you know, through everybody on the sidelines too. Oh, geez. Like – Everything has gone so well. Is this where it turns for us? And then the offense was just out of sorts the rest of the third quarter. Yeah, they picked up the first down on that series of downs, but then they don't get another first down until two drives after that. So, And that got that defense back on the field rapidly, and that that burned a lot of their motor. And, and the fourth quarter resulted – like I've said, you know, there is blame for the defense to take, but if you're out there a big chunk of the third quarter, how well are you going to play in the fourth? Offense had one good drive in the second half. One. Yep. Because the other scoring drive was one play 75 to Mo Washington. That's not a drive. That's a really good play. Right. And, and that's part of this offense. It's very predicated on big plays. Yep. This is not an offense that will just nibble its way down the field and – Put, put together a lot of eight play, a lot of nine play, a lot of ten play scoring drives. Look, this is this is a a swing with an uppercut to use a baseball right. analogy. Yeah. You're swinging for the fences right. with this offense, but at the same time, boy, if they could have even just picked up a couple of first downs in clock. that third quarter, run a little more clock, let that defense get a breather, and then maybe you get a little better defense in the fourth. One first down in the third quarter. The center right? I think that's correct, yes. The scoring drives in the first half, five plays, 96 yards, 13 plays, 95 yards, six mm-hmm. plays, 34 yards. So they had three good drives in the first half, one in the second half. That's tough. Yeah, that's it, – it's frustrating, and it 
it worries you as you look at this offense because one of the questions that I had and I think everybody had about this team offensively coming into the year was who else was going to be a playmaker. You knew you had J.D. Spielman. You thought Jack Stoll was pretty good. And you thought Wandale Robinson would be pretty good. Maurice. And Maurice Washington, you didn't know exactly what his status would be for the year, but you thought if you had him, you had a pretty dangerous guy. But that third wide receiver spot, Nebraska's not gotten anything. Right. You know, kind of I Noah hasn't caught a ball yet. Mike Williams. Mike Williams hasn't done hardly anything. Javon McQuitty has done got one very little. Yeah. yeah. So as you work down the list of wide receivers, I mean, that's where the departure of Andre Hunt looks pretty big right now. And, and the fact that Nebraska had to dismiss him for disciplinary reasons, that's a pretty big hole. Because, you know, we had heard he'd, he'd improved. He'd made strides. That's also where Cade Warner's injury hurts you. And he was dressed for the Colorado game, didn't play, but he was in uniform. And you're hopeful that he can get out there against Northern Illinois and be in a place where he can help Nebraska against Illinois and against Ohio State. Because right now, Nebraska is sorely lacking a good wide receiver and, and pure wide receiver because – They've had good duck R's, right? You know, the, the combo running back wide receiver guy. You know, J.D. Spielman hasn't run the ball very much, hasn't lined up in the backfield much, but he's that sort of guy physically, and he's been what we expected him to be. Wandale Robinson has been what we expected him to be, but he's that duck R sort of guy. Nebraska has not had a guy this year, and other than Stanley Morgan, the last couple of years hasn't had a guy that you stick out on the edge and let him match up against a defensive back, run himself open, and catch the football. Oh, where's Kenny Bell? Oh, yeah. When you need him. We're back. Thanks to Lauren Cook West and John Cook for being here last hour. Hope you enjoyed that hour talking Husker volleyball. Not one, but not two, but three matches this weekend. How about that? Including a, a businessman's special, business persons, pardon me business persons special friday at noon at the devaney how many people in the building oh six thousand i think it's better than that some really somehow because here's the deal i mean part of it is it's a friday afternoon yeah the the lunch time requirements yeah i i think the bosses of lincoln get a little looser you know they're, they're not counting the seconds to make sure you're back in um uh, <laughs> you know 60 minutes i and this is bad. I don't know who they play at noon. I believe it's High Point, isn't okay. it? And there's the other one. They're going to is... draw that for High Point? Wow. I you might be right. You, you know what? Right. I, I will say no less than 80% attendance. Oh, my god! I mean, all those tickets are sold. That's but, awesome. But look, people love this volleyball team, and they sure keep do. winning. And, and it's a rare it, – it, it's a chance to see them and – you know, it's a Friday afternoon that you can probably take a little longer lunch. It is a football weekend. Yeah. Home football weekend. That's the other thing is like if you're in town Thursday night, as some people have to do, you know, with their hotel situation, you're in town Thursday night. Maybe you're not a season ticket holder, but you're from out of town, but you want to take your one chance to see Husker volleyball. There you go. You can... May, you know, maybe there's there's a couple of tickets from somebody who is chained to their desk all afternoon that you can bum off them. Who do they play next Wednesday? I'm drawing a blank. Hey, hey, they wear a darker shade of red. Do they have a tree? Something under the tree? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, wow. That's, that's a huge match. Yeah. Oh. 
All right, uh, coming to this hour, we'll have our top 10 list. Top 10 Tuesday coming your way here in just a mere moments. And we didn't get to it in hour one because we it's your show, right? It's your show, your say, your show. Yes. We turned it over to you. And a lot of people wanted to sound off on Husker football in hour one. That means we didn't get to our practice report. we got to do it here in hour number three, so we'll get to that. And we'll save some time at the end of the hour for you to jump on board as well. Right now, though, let's top 10 it. Think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Well, tonight, we thought coming off the Colorado game and seeing all those Husker fans go out there and conjure up all those great memories of playing the Buffaloes and all those great games. One of the great stats that I we, – we put this in the broadcast last week, that the last eight Big 8 football championships – were either won by Nebraska or Colorado. Not Oklahoma, Nebraska or Colorado. That was a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it, it, we mentioned this uh, a couple of times in the lead-up to the Colorado game. As much as people hate to admit it, look, the Oklahoma rivalry, for all intents and purposes, ended when Barry Switzer was forced out. You're right. Because, in the late 80s, you're right. Because Nebraska beat him in 89, OU beat him in 90, and then Nebraska won the rest of them. That was the consecutive series, yeah. Right. And and was not seriously challenged by Oklahoma until 2000. And then when you're playing two out of every four years, I'm sorry, that thing's dying on the vine. That thing isn't a rivalry that has the consistency and the constancy that, that you need for it to be a rivalry. All the while, you know, the Oklahoma rivalry had taken a downturn. 96 through 2000, that game with Nebraska-Colorado was the last game of the year, and it was decided by one score every, every time. Year. So that's – and there was mutual antipathy. There right. was hatred. Right. Which we saw, thank you very much, at the end of the game when Colorado fans were more focused on showing up Nebraska fans than celebrating with their own. Right. Um, that's why it spurred our topic tonight for top 10 Husker rivalries of all time. Austin, you're the, you're the peach fuzz face of this program. <laughs> Was this harder for you to put together? Harder? I don't know. Mostly the ranking of them. I could come up with plenty of teams. It was just making a case for some of them, especially on the back half. I, I love you know, the, the age ranges that we have here. I think we have three entirely different perspectives. I'm really interested to see in how we, how we rank these. I, I, I'm going to say that I didn't double up here. I did have some difficulty in you know, picking some sports-specific ones and others that are more school-specific, though. Right. You didn't put two in one slot, though, did you? Correct. No, none okay. of that. I'm over that. All Done right, Nate, this is, this is a topic right up your alley, so I'm going to let you lead us off. A lot of rage, a lot of anger. Uh, my number 10, and th- <laughs> this feels like a bit of a stretch for me, but I think I can assemble a case, and this is 10. This is not two or one, <laughs> so please give me a little rope. The Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, not because the game on the field has been terribly competitive, especially lately, but early on in the first half of the 20th century, the teams played fairly consistently. It, it was important for Nebraska to be competitive with Minnesota because uh, in order for this program to gain national credibility, they had to go to the into a Big Ten team and, and beat them, and they were able to do it. And I think this is going to be something of a battle in the coming years. You know, I've, I'm still on the P.J. Fleck bandwagon. 
uh, for better or worse. But th this is a battle, and especially as these teams play every year in the Big Ten, uh, I think this is this is a rivalry that kind of was diminished through the Osborne and Devaney years because Nebraska just beat them around every year. And, but and, as and they it's close enough, that both fan bases can get to the other school pretty easily. Yes. I, I think this rivalry is going to get some new life in the coming years. Very good. All right, Austin, you're number 10. All right, this is where I have Nebraska versus Northwestern. Now, I know Ooh. some Nebraska fans might bristle at this one, you know, a little lowly Northwestern. But they're a division foe. They've played every year since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten. And the games have been really good. Sure Seven have. of the nine decided by one possession. Of course, there's not the full history and the full tradition behind it. So I make the same argument with Nate that's number 10. Give me some rope here. But they're always tight, and I think if Northwestern stays salty and Nebraska keeps improving, they could start meaning a little bit more down the road. I like them at 10. That I agree. Fits. My number 10, I'm going the closest Division One rival of Nebraska of all time. I've got Kansas State here at number 10. Ooh. Now, the last, from, well, from about 94 on, that became a pretty big football rivalry. Volleyball was always pretty competitive. In fact, the Wildcats came in and beat John Cook's team in the first weekend of the tournament about seven, eight years ago. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I think that might have been in the Coliseum. Well, the last year they put at the Coliseum, the Huskers got beat by the Cats. So I've got Casey, and they certainly have had some battles. They had some brawls almost in the baseball diamond <laughs> uh, late in the Big 12 year. So I've got Kansas State at number 10. And I, I would even stretch farther back with that series, but they're a little higher up on that list. Okay. Uh, my number nine, and maybe this feels a little low, especially because we share a conference with them, but we've not played them a whole lot, Penn State. Uh, you think of the 82 bent sideline game. Yep. Uh, Joe Paterno sniped about Bob Devaney and academic issues in the 60s and 70s. So there was some animus there. You had the debate about the 1994 national championship between Nebraska and Penn State, and then... Uh, now these teams are conference foes. The 2002 game where Penn State whipped Nebraska. Uh, the game out there when right after the Jerry Sandusky yeah. scandal hit, Joe Paterno's tenure came to an end. And, and, and the fact that Nebraska was the first team to play against Penn State without Paterno on the sideline. Uh, these schools have a rich history against each other. And at some point they're going to meet in Indianapolis. But – this is where I've got Penn State. And the volleyball rivalry between oh, yes. the two. Yeah, the the volleyball rivalry is even is white hot, really. Yes. Before we go any further, I just want to commend you, Nate, for using the words antipathy and animus within the first 10 minutes of Top 10 Tuesday. That's Isn't rivalry, that good? Isn't man. that good? That's awesome. It's made my night. Like, I don't need to go any further with all this hatred to get my... We have people diving for their thesauruses right now, or their dictionaries <laughs> in their bedrooms. We're a Big Ten school. We're smart kids now. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Nate. Thank you very much for that. Yes, sir. All right. We just got done talking about Nebraska-Penn State volleyball. I have Nebraska volleyball versus Stanford as my number nine rivalry. It doesn't get played all the time. When it does, it lives up to a, a top five billing. You know, you have the West Coast and historical dominance versus the Midwestern insurgency of Nebraska. The two best volleyball programs of all time. You know, even if they're not competing all the time, they're constantly compared to one another just because of how successful they are. So I think that's my number nine rivalry in Nebraska sports. Okay. I'm Pac-12 with my number nine as well, and I've got the Washington Huskies here. Some real good battles in football. Uh, the 90s, they were a program that rivaled Nebraska with national dominance in the football field. We had three matchups with them 
during the Bull Pelini era that were all pretty good matchups. Volleyball's had some incredible matchups with with Washington. Softball's had some incredible matchups with the mm-hmm. Huskies on the diamond. Yeah, and you think about Washington Nebraska football, 91, the Nash the national title year for the Huskies, they came back on the Huskers uh, right. here in Lincoln, the yep. first game I attended. 97, that was the game where Scott Frost won his bones yes. with the Nebraska fan base. And then uh, the two games Nebraska had in the non-con with Washington, that was uh, in the bow years. Those were fun. The, they were. The Holiday Bowl, eh, no thanks. Didn't want to be there. Thanks right? for nothing, Dan Beebe, per usual. Don't you think that was what that was about? <laughs> oh, I think that was 110% what that was. Yeah. All right, my number eight, Missouri. A lot of dislike, a lot of jealousy from Missouri. Uh, it was a game, especially early in the in the Osborne years, he just had trouble with the fact that Warren Powers, one of the Devaney staffers that got passed over for Osborne, was their head coach, made that game all the tougher. And, of course, it was the game that nearly derailed Nebraska's championship run in 97, but for the magical hands of one Matt Davison, plus plenty of dislike in baseball, plenty of sharp days in softball even. Right. You, you think about that regional that Nebraska came out of the elimination bracket and beat them uh, in back-to-back games to finish a run, four straight elimination bracket games, baseball good battles. Yeah, we don't like the black and gold. Missouri at eight. Quick aside on Missouri, I they were a tough cut from my list, but I remember that 2009 game in Columbia where Nebraska down 12 nothing. I had gone to bed, and Oof. then Nebraska scores to make it 12-7. The Dominican Sioux starts doing the Dominican Sioux things, <laughs> and my dad comes back and wakes me. I'm like, you've got to watch this. Come back. We're winning this game. So I do. I watch the game. Nebraska goes on to win. Black and gold also at my number eight. Colorado. This is where I have them. I'm interested to see where they fall on your guys' list, but I don't have that whole background of the 90s hatred necessarily. I could have maybe factored it in a little stronger, but I didn't. Uh, that, that game with the Alex Henry 57-yard field goal and then Adamican Sue pick six, uh, burying Cody Hawkins, that'll just always live on in my memory as one of my happiest Nebraska football memories. So Nebraska, Colorado at my number eight. Okay. My eight's the same as Nate's Missouri. The famous line from that 09 game you referenced was delivered by Lane Grindle when he said, Blaine Gabbard has decommitted from this game. (laughs) Yes. Rainy, horrible, (laughs) wild game. Yes. Uh, Number seven for me, this is where I've got K-State. And you talked about starting the clock on this rivalry in 94. You can even go back. The 91 game here was close. Mm -hmm. 93, Chad May threw for a million yards. Huskers ended up winning. And then, of course, you know, from 1994 until Bill Snyder retired the first time, it was it was a battle. Yeah. And and I think Nebraska was the program K-State measured themselves against. Uh, So with K-State surging as yet another regional team that Nebraska had to fight off with Colorado in those days. Uh, Just very good football teams, very good battles. And, you know, even though 98 hurt and 2003, you think of 2003, that's where Steve Peterson kind of punched the ticket to fire Frank Solich. And that began this 15-year tailspin we've been on. I wonder if Eric Crouch's neck is recovered from playing Kansas State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they love that play. They love the fact that they didn't get flagged. Should have been flagged. Yep. 
All right, my number seven here, a Big Ten foe. I've got Michigan State here. It's been a crossover Ooh. game since the Legends and Leaders disbanded, but the vast majority of those football games have been close. I can think of the Jamal Turner catch, DeMornay Pearson-Ell's punt return, you know, the Brandon Riley catch that I was sitting in the Northwest end zone for. Of course, last year's Barrett Pickering game, and even basketball's had a number of good matchups. Beat him a couple times. Yeah, go to the yeah. Breslin in 2013-2014. Last year's game was crazy. I think the Spartans... Have, they have enough history that it warrants a number seven spot, and I think it's only going to get better. All right. My number seven's also Big Ten, but I got this is where I've got Penn State. They laid out all those the, the programs weaved in and out of each other in the 80s and 90s with their football programs. And, uh, again, I factored in volleyball in my thought process as well, so I have the Nittany Lions at seven. I've got a Big Tenner at number six, and this is where I have Wisconsin, and it feels low. My rationale is Nebraska's not returned fire enough. Look, Wisconsin has dominated mm -hmm. the football end of this series. And, and as a result, you know, for it to be a rivalry, you've got to be competitive. Nebraska's not been competitive enough with Wisconsin. I think that trend is reversing. I think they're going to give the Badgers at the very least a game, if not beat them here in Lincoln. And, and moving forward, Nebraska will be in that neighborhood. But Right now, Nebraska's just not good enough to make this higher on my list. I'm with you, Nate. I line up exactly here, Wisconsin at number six, because of all the reasons you laid out. It did get a little boost for me, though, because of no sit Sunday. I think that's just a defining moment of PBA of that Nebraska basketball season. They've had a couple of pretty good matchups since, but that no sit Sunday, I think that's what a rivalry is about. You know, that, that team comes to town, you stay in the whole game, you yell, and it means something. So Wisconsin's my number six. Okay, my number six, I'm going out of conference for this. Here's where I have the Miami Hurricanes. And the, the, the battles that happened between Nebraska and the Canes in the 80s, and then breaking through Tom Osborne, breaking through in the 95 Orange Bowl at the end of the 94 season to finally beat Warren Sapp and the Mouthy Hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And then the, to feel the energy at Memorial Stadium when they were back here a few years ago was pretty cool. So I've got Miami at six. It was about that gum time they came up here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Husker Baseball beat them at a Super Regional at Haymarket Park. Yeah, it, just the fact that the two out of the last three times those two schools have gotten together in baseball and football because the 05 Super Regional in baseball mm -hmm. and then the first of the two games in football after all those years where Nebraska had to play road games with something on the line uh, and it really affected the game and sure did. by the way my number five is your number six Miami okay. uh, you know if if Ken Calhoun's pinky is half an inch shorter <laughs> one that's a national championship for Nebraska but two, does the Miami dynasty ever take off? May not. It, who can say? Right. And, and then the entire history of college football is different. 95 Orange Bowl was as cathartic a game, I think, as you can have in sports history. And the one game we're leaving out is that 02 Rose Bowl, Nebraska and Miami. Right. And even though I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I'd rather not, but the fact that Miami throttled Nebraska that soon after Colorado had obliterated them, you know, it just reinforced the idea that Nebraska football was slipping. And in some ways, Colorado hit Nebraska with an uppercut and had them dazed. And Miami hit them with a jab and knocked yeah. them out. Absolutely. All right. My number five here, I've got Iowa, another Big Ten team. 
it's still natural and developing. I think both sides have made it pretty big, especially since Nebraska's joined the conference. A lot of close matchups in football, uh, basketball as well. Last year's overtime game, one of the best games I've ever had the chance to attend in person. They're still trying to carve some of the figures you know, into the lore of the rivalry, but just the proximity, kind of the, the border war on the east side of the state elevates this one, and I put my vote down for Nebraska Corn. Very Indeed. good. Well done. My five, Austin's already had. This is where I have the Badgers. I think it will go higher as we move along, but the Huskers have to do their part and start winning some games against them. Uh, Austin had Iowa at five. I've got Iowa at four. For, again, the same reason. I think this will be a rivalry that, along with Wisconsin, defines Nebraska athletics moving forward. But especially in football, Nebraska's not returned fire enough. All right, on to number four. Speaking of Nebraska not returning fire enough, this is recently, though. I've got Creighton here at number four. Creighton's dominated the hardwood recently. Nebraska owned it in the 90s. I think the biggest selling point, though, is that this is Nebraska's only real in-state competition. That's huge. You've got red versus blue. We shame Jaskers, and it might even be turning into a volleyball rivalry as well. So Creighton's up here at number four for me. And it certainly has been in baseball, too. It's yes. certainly been a really good rivalry yeah. in baseball. It hasn't been so much in softball. But baseball, the Jays have been, with that service, pretty competent team. I'm glad you put them on. I, I did not have them on my top ten list. My four, here's where I have the Texas Longhorns. Um, you know, Texas, I think Nebraskans really had a bad feeling about Texas from the get-go, the conception of the Big 12 Conference, and just had a hard time beating them in a lot of different sports. Mm-hmm. And it frustrated the heck out of Husker fans. Now we don't see them a whole lot. I kind of missed the trip. I like Austin, Texas an awful lot mm-hmm. as a community. I like to go there. But I've got Texas here at number four. And I've got them at three. And, you know, the thing about it is, especially when the Big 12 Conference was formed, Nebraska had was a national championship-level program, and Texas was in the midst of the – the probation-riddled Southwestern Conference. But because of all the TV sets, Texas got to stack the deck and, and set up the conference for their leisure. And that, combined with Tom Osborne's retirement, left Nebraska very vulnerable. And as a result, Texas was able to move ahead of Nebraska. Plus, Texas has all the advantages Nebraska doesn't. Uh, you know, population, high-level recruits just... You can't throw a ball without hitting a five-star. Weather. Yeah, the, and the weather. And so that, you know, they they are the contrast of everything we are at Nebraska. You don't feel like they ever work hard. Yeah. So that's why I have Texas at three. I feel bad now for leaving them off my list. Little mm. spoiler. It, I, I don't know. Uh, my number three, though, I stick in the south. You guys have both had this. Nate at five, Greg at six. I've got Miami here. Rivalry, of course, rekindled earlier in the 2010s. I missed the game in Lincoln for homecoming. Oof. Not, that thing was electric. Yeah. It, it was a pretty fun night. And, yeah. I, you know, there were Husker fans who had not forgotten no. all those trips to the Orange Bowl. Not at all. My number three, um, here's where I have – Wait, we're on three? Yes. That's where I have the, that's where I have the Hawkeyes. I, I, and I think this, again, can go higher still. But I've got Iowa here. And, again, they've dominated the Huskers the last four years on the football field. Huskers have to turn that around. They've also been a frustrating opponent in basketball. We've won some, but not maybe enough. And some of the other sports has been highly competitive as well. So I've got the Hawkeyes at three. Sticking with black and gold, this is where I've got Colorado. 
I dislike their fans immensely. I dislike their football program immensely. Maybe the wound is too fresh. And as the years go on, Colorado's going to fall down this list because, let's be honest, Nebraska and Colorado aren't going to be fighting for the same thing very often. But just the litany of matchups between these two in football, Colorado's too. Antipathy, animus, yes, hatred. <laughs> Insert at Nate's number two. My number two, you guys have done all the talking about this one. I won't add much more. Nebraska, Penn State, volleyball, football, history, galore. My two lines up with Nate. This is where I have the Buffaloes at number two. What do you bet we all have the same I number one? Kind of thinking we might. And look, I was too young for <laughs> Barry Switzer. Yes. I mean, I, I missed out on those games. Yes, 2000 and 2001, I took those in. 2009, beating them here. It exists in a weird place for me, though, because on one hand, I love all the respect that Nebraska fans have for Oklahoma. But look, Barry Switzer was a shady dude. He was cheating us all those years. <laughs> I, like, we're all okay with this? I, why, why, why did we as a fan base say, you know what, we're cool with that guy because he's kind of fun and he brought Bob Devaney tacos during his prediction show one time? Like, there, there's got to be a little more gravel in our gut about this one. Yeah, that's my number one. We did have a caller at the end of the first hour I don't think we could get to. His question was going to be, which hurt more, the Colorado game or games uh, from the last couple of years of the 2010 Oklahoma Big 12 championship game? <laughs> Hmm. So it's tough because that, there was a lot of a line for the OU game. Yeah. Our final game in the league. Probably that one because of what was at stake. And, and there again, 17-0 lead, right? Or 14-0 lead. 17? I think it was 17. I think it was 17. Yeah. Make it three for three. I got Oklahoma at one, two. So there we go. The Sooners. Very cool. That was fun. Enjoyed yep. that. Greg Sharp, Nate Roar with you on a Tuesday night. Time for tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Brought to you by JTEC Construction. Time to replace your home siding, but not sure where to start? Start with JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. JTEC specializes in seamless steel siding and always provides free consultations. Eric Chenander met the media today, and the Husker defense played really well in the first half of the game at Colorado, allowed under 100 total yards, allowed zero rushing yards. But, of course, CU was able to light up the Husker defense as that game went along, especially in the fourth quarter. But Eric Chenander was asked today if he could take some positives out of the first three quarters by the Blackshirts. Yeah, you can take a lot of good out of the first part. I mean, we played three quarters of really good football and didn't finish a football game. Uh, we've got to be able to finish. And that's, you know, hate to say it, but that's part of growing up as a program. Uh, we got to finish on defense. We've got to finish the fourth quarter like we played the first three, and we win that football game. Should It should have been, you know, that's a good football team, but it should, they should have had, you know, seven points, 14 points. Should have never came to that. You got to like the way that the defense has taken responsibility for this because there are lesser 
people that would say, well, the offense kept putting us on the field too quickly. And, and I think everybody operates with the understanding that, look, that's Scott Frost's offense isn't a time-eating offense. But at the same time, you know, the defense for three quarters was really, really good. And you could make a pretty solid argument that they just ran out of gas. Colorado had no yards rushing in the first half. Zero. Right. Nada. They ended up below 100 for the game, but for a, for a half, it's a pretty dominant defensive performance. And Nebraska was able to get after the quarterback. Yeah. So Eric Chenander asked about the first three quarters against Colorado and then, of course, the fourth quarter where the Buffs jumped Rutgers and Chenander was asked if he's been able to move on from that loss. You have to. Um, you can't let a loss beat you twice. So you, you've got to be able to – watch the film, learn from the film on, on Sunday or Monday, and then move on. And I think those guys did. They had a great practice on Monday. They had a great practice today. So, um, you know, I don't really want to be talking about it today. I have to, unfortunately. But I want those guys focus on the next one. we got to move on. That's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, Colorado won that game. It's triple zeros on the clock. And this is a Northern Illinois team that didn't light up Utah, but they hung in there for a while against the Utes. Sure did. I mean, I think it was tighter. They had the lead at half. Yeah. So – what about the Northern Illinois Huskies? Eric Chenander was asked about the Huskers' next opponent. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good football team, um, experienced line up front. They have a receiver 14 that makes some really good catches in a, in a junior college transfer, that uh, number three that can really run, and they have a, a grad transfer quarterback. So they have a good football team, and I think their offensive coordinator does a good job. You know, you watch film from when he was at South Dakota State, and he, they did a lot of nice things on film. 14 is Spencer Tears. He had over 100 yards receiving in the game against Utah last week. And as you look at their starting offensive line, uh, three of the five starters, the center and the two tackles, are both seniors. And the two guys who aren't seniors are juniors. So plenty of experience up front, up front for NIU. Eric Chenander was asked about Husker defensive back Cam Taylor Britt and the Huskers use him in a variety of different ways and Janander was asked if the Huskers will continue to use him in that way. I think we're going to have to move him around as we go as we go down the road because just because of the depth, you know what I mean? Right now in that slot position, we've got him and JoJo if um, and he's playing safety and he's playing corner and he played some slot in the game and he played some safety and then he got, you know, we put him in at one play at corner when when Lamar went down and that was a big play, and that's probably not fair to that kid. It was his first play at corner uh, of the game, but he's going to have to continue to move around if we're going to if we're going to be able to function. Such an explosive athlete and such a disruptive guy on that side of the ball. Three forced fumbles this year. Uh, he has been as advertised out there for the very good. I know he got caught up in that flea flicker, mm -hmm. uh, but he'll shake that off. He'll be able to move on for that. And finally, Eric Janander was asked, how has he seen the Huskers tackling? How has he evaluated the Black Shirts tackling so far this year? Yeah, so um, game one, we tackled really good. Game two, there's some unbelievable tackling. And then there's some times when, you know, and I don't know if, if they're gassed or not, but there's some times where it doesn't look like anything we've drilled, anything they've ever done in practice, and, and they whiff. Um, so it's all a technique issue on those missed tackles. There you go. And, you know, that, that would be to be expected, especially as you get tired. You know, when you get tired, your technique breaks down yeah. sometimes. So uh, that may be another symptom of fatigue as we hear our JTEC practice report tonight. Well, I, I, you know, you hope that group brings it Saturday night. Northern Illinois doesn't run the ball very well, so you can kind of turn them into a one 
trick pony, but you're going to have to play some pass defense, and they've got some guys who can sling it around and go grab it. They've had a 100-yard receiver in each of the first mm-hmm. two games, a grad transfer at quarterback, so a guy with some experience. And this is an opponent that's not afraid of Nebraska. They've come in here and won, so and a good chunk of those guys are coming back on Saturday. So Huskers had better be over the Colorado loss a whole lot quicker than your humble broadcaster here. That's a good Utah team that they fought toe-to-toe for quite a while on Saturday. Arguably the Pac-12 favorite. Yep. I, especially after my Washington Huskies let me down with U-dub. against Cal. U-dub uh, falling for you. Yeah, I, I'd say it's Utah and everybody else in that leg. 